Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Hey everyone, so welcome again to another edition of Overcoming Your Emotional Eating. And I am so excited today to have somebody come on the line who knows some amazing things. I have an excellent resource for you all today that I want you to really listen from her life experience to what she now does for work is really, really beneficial to understand. And after speaking with her, you know, y'all don't really know this because nobody gets behind the scenes. But, you know, what I know is when I, when people seek me out or I seek people out to be on the podcast, I don't just let anybody come on. And I know that sounds strange, but working in this field for as long as I have, I'm fairly protective of you guys, the listeners. And it has to be somebody that really catches my attention. In knowing and understanding aspects of emotional eating, whether it be the physical side or the physiological side or the psychological side, that I think would really only add value to your lives. So today I have Paige Harris with me. She's an NASM, which is Certified Personal Trainer and Holistic Health Coach with her Master of Science in Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine from the University of Western States. She specializes now in helping women release restrictive dieting mindsets so they can optimize their health and heal their guts, hormones, and relationships with themselves and their bodies. Paige is also the host of Paige Talks Wellness Podcast, where listeners learn how to take control of their health in a world of information overload, which I absolutely believe in because we know way too much, but some of that you've got to dig through, which is exactly what she does on her podcast. She digs into all things nutrition, fitness, mindset, so listeners can learn how to truly heal from digestive issues, hormonal imbalances, chronic stress, and more, all without obsession or restriction, which realistically is the, the puzzle, the part of the puzzle, right? How do you teach people without increasing obsession? So I'm so excited that Paige is here with us today. Thank you so much for joining me, Paige. Yes, thank you so much, Wendy. That was a fantastic intro. You're you're just like priming the listeners for all the good stuff we're gonna get into today. Yeah, I'm super I'm super excited for them to hear what you know and what you've lived, because I think we all have lived a story and that story is worth, you know, understanding more about. And I want to absolutely hear, let my listeners hear more about your expertise. So when we were talking as I mentioned before, a lot of my listeners don't know kind of like what, what's the process? Like how do I let people come on? And you just because I talked to somebody for 15 minutes just like you and I did. And because I want somebody to bring value because that's what podcasts are all about, right? Like we don't want to listen to a podcast that's like, <laughs> I don't know, the same thing. And you had such a great understanding of the psychology and the physiology. 
which I think really go hand in hand, especially when it comes to, you know, hormonal issues and gut imbalance. But more so, you know, with respect to the restriction and obsession that can happen and trying to play that fine balance. Yes, absolutely. And that kind of comes as to why I got into this line of work in the first place, kind of like you said. For those of you who don't know me, hi, I'm Paige. I, like Wendy said, I am a holistic health coach now, but I definitely didn't start out my life knowing that I wanted to get into health and fitness. And in fact, I am definitely one of those people that believe that you really get into this sphere of work because of some kind of a personal experience that you've had earlier in your life or in a loved one's life, something like that. And for me, that was my battle with orthorexia, which I know that it is starting to become a little bit more talked about in the health and wellness sphere. And I'm very grateful for that. But at the time of me having it, this was probably back in 2015, 2016, between it really got bad between my sophomore and junior year of college, where I became absolutely obsessed over every morsel of food that I put into my mouth. And I thought that I needed to exercise multiple times a day, every day in order to kind of maintain a very strange version of health that I saw for myself even though that had no real basis in science whatsoever. And this all kind of like came to a head in my junior year where I was basically living my life in a outwardly presenting healthy way where I was being praised all the time for all of the quote good habits that I had, like going to the gym multiple times a day or only eating a salad or only eating my, you know, oatmeal and water and cinnamon instead of actually having a meal that's going to nourish my body. Mm. And people would praise me for it. And it was not good because what they didn't see was all of the different things that started happening behind the scenes. So I definitely was somebody who was barely sleeping at that point because I would wake up in the middle of the night and be so hungry that I was just lying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, waiting for it to be the quote, correct time for me to eat my very, very tiny breakfast. Or I would be in class and my stomach would be audibly growling so loud that I know the people next to me heard it. And that's just really embarrassing to begin with. Or I'd be at the movies and be wearing a winter coat in the middle of summer because I was so cold. I like didn't have any temperature regulation anymore because I wasn't fueling my body. And luckily for me, I ended up kind of starting to transition out of that period of my life because I ended up going and studying abroad in Nice, France. At the time, I was a French major and I did graduate with my degree in French. But during that time in my life, I stayed with a homestay family. And for those of you who don't know, when you stay at a homestay, usually you have your meals provided to you from the family that you're staying with. And so in France, there is an entirely different perspective on what it means to eat healthfully. And it includes a lot more like fatty animal products, tons of butter, tons of bread. There's bread at every meal. If you don't eat the bread, it's like you get like weird looks. There is no right. such thing as keto in France. You don't apply there. Yes. So I was like, oh my God, I have to eat this food or it's going to be perceived as really rude. And so I did. And then the most interesting thing ever happened, which was my body didn't change. I didn't mm-hmm. suddenly gain, you know, 
20, 30 pounds like I thought I was going to if I actually allowed myself to eat to satisfaction. And that was kind of like really eye opening to me. And like, yes, I was, you know, walking around because in Europe, I mean, you're definitely doing a lot more walking and sightseeing than you would be in the States. But that was my only real form of exercise, too. It turns out I didn't have to be doing all of my Jillian Michaels routines in my room every morning and then making sure that I made it to the gym to go on the elliptical for another hour or two. Like that wasn't something that I needed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so what France really did for me was kind of remove that control aspect. And that's what it really boiled down to for me. I was at a period in my life when I developed my orthorexia that I felt really out of control of what was going on around me. I had just suffered a breakup at the time with somebody that I, you know, I thought things were going to go all the way with at the time. I have no harsh feelings toward him whatsoever anymore. I'm happily married now, so it turned out for the better. But I was basically like, oh, there must be something wrong with me. I feel out of control. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to control food. I'm going to control exercise. And then like I said, the praise, like the outward praise that I would get from other people really kind of was that toxic cycle that kept me in it for so long. But going abroad and being able to see what eating real good nourishing food did for my body was really my first step at healing. And then, of course, I ended up continuing that journey when I came home. I took an intro to weightlifting class my senior year, which was hilarious because I was the oldest person there other than the professor. And I was a total wimp. I couldn't lift weights to save my life. And I kind of fell in love with it. I fell in love with the idea of using exercise to make myself strong instead of to make myself small and to mm. eat foods that were nourishing my body and making me energized and healthy and vibrant and being able to go out with my then boyfriend, now husband, and enjoy mm. food. He's a big part of my kind of recovery process as well. And he definitely helped me stay grounded through that time. And then things kind of progressed from there. I ended up becoming a personal trainer because I enjoyed lifting so much and I wanted to teach others how awesome it was to lift. And then over this last little bit of time during the pandemic, I took that upon myself to go back to school and get my master's. So now I have the nutrition education to back up all of the things that I had already learned to be true, which is that if you really want to be taking care of yourself, you need to be fueling yourself effectively. And that's not just eating, you know, the stereotypical health and wellness things, but that also includes having foods that make you emotionally feel good and emotionally feel strong. Mm -hmm. It's that combination. And for, for listeners that don't know, because orthorexia is a newer term, although I've been in the eating disorder field for 30 years now. When I, for the first I guess the orthorexia, I have to look at the date. It was actually like kind of quote unquote put in, the, put in the diagnostic category, but it wasn't well known, even though it was put in there. But I will tell you, you know, when I came on the scene, when I started my nutrition degree, it was in the early stages of the fat-free craze that mm -hmm. this country went, went through. Everything was fat-free. You had to eat fat-free. And I started... During college, I worked at this little gym because I was a fitness trainer for a very short period of time, Paige. Definitely don't have the expertise that you do, but I did it to make the money. And so in any case, I was seeing, you know, women there and men that were eating no fat at all. And I kept thinking, this can't be good. Like, we're in trouble. <laughs> and 
what we now know, and then it transpired as I got into my own private practice, I would have so many young women come to me and some young men come to me, you know, whether it be fat or protein at the time, we were not in the carbohydrate-free kind of era that we are in now. It was fat and, and then there was a little bit on the, on the protein realm. But so many young women and men coming to me because their parents were like, there's something wrong. Like she won't eat at a certain time period. She won't eat more than the allotted serving. She won't do this. She won't do that. You know, her doctor tells me she's not diagnostically anorexia, but there's, you know, anorexic, so to speak. But, but I know there's a problem. I need yes. to help her. We yes. did and diagnosis for so many years, and it was so difficult for us practitioners. Yes, and I, I really want to speak to that because that was something that I dealt with a lot. Like, mm-hmm. even though I consider myself, you know, healed and that I did have orthorexia, I was never, like, officially diagnosed with it, but I know I exhibited every single one of those behaviors. But the thing is, like, I got away with it at the time because not only of the praise I was getting, but also just because of the body that I live in. Like I am, I'm five foot eight at the time. I, I don't know what I weighed. That was one thing I quit doing now is like trying to pay attention to what I weigh on the scale. But I know at the time I was relatively thin, but I had grown up super tall and super thin my entire life. And so my body wasn't really scary looking. Like I know that when you work with populations that have anorexia, a lot of the times like you do see kind of like that wasting away. But I think Mm -hmm. the important thing for listeners to understand is like eating disorders don't have a look and you can look at someone and they might look perfectly healthy to you, but that doesn't mean that they have a good relationship with food on the inside. Thank you. Because it's so true. And I've had so many people come up to me and come out to me of a lot of my girls with orthorexia, I know you, you didn't display this, but a lot of my girls with orthorexia had some um, emotional eating disorder patterns too because mm-hmm. they were strict for so long that they couldn't hold it. And so then they would binge, so to speak, yes. that they're, you know, they feel an emotion, something would happen, and they would go out and overeat. And then they would restrict again for another week, two weeks, five weeks, whatever it was, and then they would have to go out and, and binge. And so that, that can be a facet of orthorexia too. And you can look, just like you said, you can look totally normal from the outside, but on the inside, you're going through the same torture, so to speak, that a client who might be 5'8 and 82 pounds diagnosed with anorexia will be going through. They just have more of a physical manifestation, but the psychological manifestation is the same. Yeah. And that's definitely one of those things too, where I think that with mental health, people just assume that if you're presenting okay on the outside, that means that the inside is the same. And Mm -hmm. as we now know, like that is definitely not the case. And I can definitely relate to what you said with having the episodes of binging. There's only two that I really remember ever happening. And one of them was when I was living alone at the time, which number one, living alone is not the thing to do because you can hide all of your behaviors all the time. So highly recommend like being around other people can be a good reflection to to kind of tell you whether or not you're living in a truly healthy way. But I was living alone at the time. And I remember it was like nine o'clock at night. I was starving. And I basically walked back and forth from my bedroom to my kitchen and ate granola handful by handful until I ate an entire box of granola. Mm -hmm. And when I finished it, 
I was like, why did I just do that? Like, I, I didn't, I didn't want granola, but it was like the only thing available to me. It was calorie dense and my body was probably starving. Mm -hmm. And the other time was Thanksgiving, the year that my orthorexia was at its worst. I basically starved myself all day because I was like, oh, well, I'm going to eat all of these foods I usually don't eat. So I'm going to eat nothing beforehand. And then I ended up almost making myself sick in that meal. And that was actually one of the things that kind of started to alert me to the fact that I had a problem because I had never experienced that like out of control feeling before. But like you said, if you're not nourishing your body, all it wants is to be fed and loved and safe. And so if you're not giving it the opportunity to have the things that it needs, all of the different nutrients and food and water, you're going to have a problem and it's going to do whatever it takes to get those nutrients. That's right. And you don't, I mean, I'm all about choice and, and a lot of the premise and philosophy of how I work in my office is to, is to give people choices. But in those moments, when you have starved your body for a long period of time, you, you really don't have a choice. It moves into a place of survival and it's going to do what it needs to do in order to get what it can get. And there, then, you move out of choice option. So as much as it can be about control and you can feel in control, the truth is you're really out of control. Absolutely. And especially for me now, I know how much having food and having proper fueling affects the way that I perceive things, the way that like my body works on all levels. It gives me energy. It gives me mental clarity people probably know when you're hungry, it's really hard to think about anything except where you're going to get your next meal. So mm -hmm. I definitely was spending most of my class time just kind of scrolling through Pinterest, looking at recipes. I was watching Food Network all of the time, still watch Food Network all of the time, but now it's to come up with recipe ideas and not because I'm just starving. And mm -hmm. so it's really important to notice those kinds of behaviors too. And to kind of ask yourself, like, what is there behind the food? Because usually there is something that's there and it's not actually about the food itself. It's because you have that feeling of being out of control in your life and you're trying to cling on to something to give you that feeling of control. Mm -hmm. And if you don't figure out what that is, it can be really, really hard to kind of untangle everything. Absolutely. I mean, you know, a huge premise, a lot of my listeners know this, a ton of my clients know this. I'm always looking for what's the why? What's the why mm -hmm. behind your food? What's the why behind your weight? What's the why behind your eating? There's a why. And it's finding that why so you can figure out what's driving you or towards it or afraid of eating it or afraid of starting, right? A lot of, a lot of people can be afraid of, you know, the, the first bite because they're afraid of where it's going to lead. And in orthorexia, in the, you know, there's the restrictive component where it's a lot about the obsession around food, but the inability to take in the care and nourishment that food provides. And then it moves into overnourishment and nurturance because there hasn't been. So it's always about figuring out that why, because that's what will lead you to the answer realistically and then enable you to, to get out of that because it really isn't in control. Absolutely. And it's also really interesting because when you do finally start to eat again, like you said, if it is going to be one of those things where you've been stricting for a really long time and then suddenly you're going to eat a ton of food, 
biologically, your body isn't able to handle that anymore because a lot of people don't recognize the fact that if you were chronically under eating for a really long time, your body is going to start to downregulate unnecessary processes. And if you're barely eating any food to begin with, some of those processes might include making enough stomach acid so that it can help you digest the food. Same with digestive enzymes. And so I know one of my major experiences when I started eating again was I was trying to eat a quote normal meal and it would make make me sick to my stomach. And in my eating disorder brain, I was like, oh, this means that I shouldn't be eating this much food. But that's not the case. That just means my body was so malnourished that it doesn't know how to digest this food anymore. And so there are ways that you can kind of coax your body through, you know, adding digestive enzyme supplements supplemental HCL and just kind of working on more mindful eating, chewing and swallowing your food to get your body to actually start to digest and absorb those nutrients and start upregulating those processes again so that you can actually eat that much. That's definitely something that is really key with almost every single one of the clients that come to me, mostly women who are, you know, have been dieting their entire lives. And now they say, oh, well, I can't eat more than a few bites of chicken without feeling so, so full. And I'm like, that's because you can't digest it. Like you lost that ability. We got to coax that back out of you. That doesn't mean you only need to eat a few bites of chicken. It just means that you might need a little extra help. Exactly. And that happens to, to people that overconsume as well, because in the overconsumption pattern, it's not always the most nutritious food. So then the gut can become inflamed and the stomach can lose its ability to do what it needs to do as well, right? So on both parameters, whether it's, you know, under eating or overeating for long periods of time, physiologically, we can change, you know, our gut microbiome. And I know you know a lot about that component. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, yes, absolutely. It is for sure true that the food that you put into your body or don't put into your body is going to change what your microbiome looks like. There have been some really interesting studies, actually, where they'll put people on differing diets of like the standard American diet, quote unquote, and then they'll put people on like a vegetarian diet or a keto diet and then track through fecal samples like what their microbiomes look like. And it only takes about two days to see noticeable changes in your microbiome after changing your eating patterns. So there is hope for people who are out there and thinking, oh my God, you know, it's going to take me forever to come back from what I've gotten myself into. That's not necessarily the case, but you do just need to be consistent. And I like to tell people you want to be intentional with the way that you're eating. I think a lot of the time when you're going through orthorexic behaviors or binge restrict behaviors, it can be really hard for you to kind of find that intuitive eating space because people will always say, oh, just, you know, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. But for somebody who's been going through this and ignoring those cues for so long, it can be really hard to do that. And that's why being intentional with what you're eating can be really helpful. Like I love telling my clients, hey, you know, you're craving some Nutella toast. Awesome. Why? Like go and eat that Nutella toast and then Hmm, that's a little bit low on protein. You know you need protein to feel satiated and to build muscle. So maybe with that, you have, or, or like later that day, you have some chicken or some salmon. It doesn't mean any foods are off limits. It just means that you need to be intentional about what you're putting into your body and why. 
and just not giving food that kind of black and white, good or bad mindset that you might have been doing for the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so much of what you said is so key. You know, one, one is that the body can heal. It's not a forever life sentence. And the cool part about technology and where we've come with supplementation as well is that we can do some healing on our own by eating whole foods. And we can also use some supplementation should we need to, to help it heal also. But I love what you said because I can't tell you, listen, I was, a, I was a dietitian already when intuitive eating came out and I was there before and I'm here after <laughs> and intuitive eating was, you know, which is based on the premise. It was the first people that ever really talked about eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full and that being the total premise of the diet. And the dietitians that created intuitive eating are, are brilliant for people that have hunger and fullness signals. The problem that I have experienced and understand more about is that none of my clients ever in the 30 years that I have been working, and I've had thousands of clients at this point, none of them, very rare, I should say very rare, very rare do I have a client that walks into my office and says, I know exactly when I'm hungry and when I'm full, I just choose to stop listening. No, the truth is they don't, nobody knows when they're hungry or when they're full. So it's really hard to listen to those signals when you're not getting them anymore because there's lots of different ways, reasons why we don't get those signals, whether it's a hypothalamus issue, a pituitary issue, a thyroid issue or there can be some gut brain imbalance as well. So there's lots of reasons why we're finding, but it is really important to, to recognize that you may not have hunger and fullness signals. And then you've got to learn, relearn how to eat and retrain your body and your mind and your soul, how to re-eat kind of from scratch, but you can do it. And your body is innately has an innate ability to heal realistically. Yes, absolutely. And it's also important to recognize that like feeling hungry isn't a good thing. And I say this because I know it was something that I, when I was going through orthorexia, would feel proud of. Like at first I'd be like, oh, I'm hungry, but I'm still doing all of these things. Like look at me and how, you know, amazing that makes me. Doing things hungry isn't, like doesn't make you any better than anybody else. Like if you're hungry, you should eat. But then, yeah, like you said, if you lose those hunger signals, but you know that you need to be eating just because you don't feel hungry doesn't mean you're not allowed to eat either. Because that was definitely a rule that I've helped many of my clients overcome where they would wake up in the morning, for example, and be like, oh, well, I'm not hungry, so I'm just not going to eat anything. But then they maybe wouldn't be hungry the entire rest of the day. Because if you're starting off your day not listening to a potential hunger cue that may or may not be there, your body is going to be like, oh, well, I guess she's not going to feed us today. Why would I bother sending that signal anymore? Versus if you say to yourself, hey, I know I woke up. I need to make sure that I fuel myself for the day. Let me go and make some breakfast. Usually nine times out of 10, when I get clients to start actually eating breakfast, their hunger cues will come back in the morning because their body starts to expect that food. So it's really hard to have a hunger cue if you're not consistently feeding yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, your body will innately heal, right? Whether that's breakfast or lunch or sending hunger signals, it, it does take some time, but it, but it will innately heal itself, which is the beautiful part about our bodies, realistically. 
And I think that the premise about being hungry is so true from, from what you're saying, what I've heard my clients say. It's also the converse on the back end for, for women or men who are dieting, you know, that they think, oh, I'm dieting and I'm hungry and that's a really good thing. And I was like, that's not really, that's not really good because what's going to happen is you're only going to be able to hold on so long. We can't feel mm-hmm. hungry for too long because we'll eventually have to give in. And then that leads to a whole spiraling cascade. So there are lots of women and men who may be overweight, who are trying to lose weight, that hold on to this what they think is the best thing in the world, that make myself hungry, and I'm starving, and I'm in fat-burning mode. And I'm like, yeah, and you're going to stay there for maybe a week, and then you're going to overeat because you don't have a choice. So Absolutely. Right? So there's like, you, you have to make sure that you have that understanding because I really think for so long in our country we have put being hungry on this like pedestal in a way like if you're hungry it's a good thing and it's really not yeah and the thing there that's really important too is that yes mentally that's going to be really hard for you to get through and yes it might end up leading to a binge later on but also if you're constantly underfeeding yourself biologically you're down regulating your metabolism so if you're trying to lose weight and you're eating next to nothing you're actually doing yourself a disservice because it's going to be harder for you to lose weight when you're constantly keeping your body in that starvation mode than it would be if you were to actually you know, put on some muscle, ramp up your metabolism, get yourself to be eating a ton, a ton, a ton of food so that then if you do take a couple of calories out, you will gently and easily lose weight without really having that much of a problem. That's the whole concept behind reverse dieting. And there are different practitioners out there that focus on that. I'm definitely, I'm not a weight loss person, but just know like there are resources out there that can get you to do that safely. But if you're just constantly keeping yourself hungry all the time and barely eating next to nothing, you're not doing yourself any good. At all. Exactly. Totally agree. And that's why I really wanted to bring you on the on the podcast page. And it's P-A-I-G-E because we're on the same page <laughs> with a lot of the things that we do and believe in. And I so love you coming on and sharing your story. Where, where can my listeners find you? Yes. So if you want to get in contact with me, I hang out mostly on Instagram at imperfectly page wellness, P-A-I-G-E, like you said. And I also have a website, imperfectlypagewellness.com. So yeah, come and hang out with me. I'm definitely willing to chat with you about any kind of concerns, questions, anything that comes up to mind. Thank you so much, Paige. And we'll have the links in the show notes on my website, www.wendyfrancis.com. So if you look up Paige's interview on the website when this is posted, you can get her link there as well. So you can find her easily. Thank you so much, Paige, for joining me today. You've been a wealth of knowledge. I so appreciate you. Yes. Thanks so much, Wendy. It was a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you could go, everyone can go head to my website, www.wendyfrancis.com. You'll see pages linked in the, in the show notes. You'll also see the groups now that I'm beginning to launch starting the month of February, as well as the new book that has been put out, my fourth book, Overcoming Emotional Eating and Experiential Workbook. You can find 
that link under books at www.wendyfrancis.com. Thank you all always for joining me and for listening and for taking the time out for you to learn something new because you matter. Thanks again. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.